useful information for the people that are following me or not. Um, especially because a lot of times when I will make a, I'll, I'll think, oh, this this uh, information is really important. Everyone's going to really get a lot out of this, and it's not that exciting to people. But then I just off the cuff throw something out there, and that's what everyone's really looking for. And if if it's the the feedback of Zaps is really um, a a true indication of how uh, well received that information is. Yeah, <laughs> you know, one of the things I, I think you do well is find utility in all these use cases. And I was looking at a note, um, I realized it was from six months ago uh, that you put up, somebody re-noted it and I re-noted it as, as well. But it shows um, you using Bitcoin miners to you know, warm the animals, you know, on the homestead. And, and uh, I know when we were in Nashville, I was having a conversation with you outside at the at the pub, and uh, I said, uh, "Yeah, I, I saw this thing online where somebody used an S9 to uh, it, it is a is a a dryer implementation to for heat." I said that that was me. I said, "No shit." He's like, "That's pretty wild." But uh, I think the utility of it is. Uh, pretty amazing finding, you know, utility out of mining, finding utility out of Noster and being able to, you know, connect with people and really, you know, drive that circular economy. And um, uh, how do yeah, you... Yeah, I just want to show... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Rev. Oh, well, it just makes it more real. Um, when when it, when you can see a picture or a video concepts, um, the fact that I can I can not my food forest is producing, but then show that and provide these these regular updates and sort of chain all those notes together, almost watch that story unfold as the season progresses. I mean, you can if you go on my uh, profile, you can find the the thread of the sheep of my Katahdin hair sheep. And you can watch from the, the day that the first lambs were being born, uh, or you can kind of click your way back from the, the day that the lambs were born on up until right before we took them to the butcher. And you can see every time that I uh, gave them any wormer, every time I grazed them through a new pasture. And so this actually also, um, in addition to the information and the utility of the, the protocol or whatever, it also, create some accountability for me as a food producer that now these people, when I, so when I went to Milwaukee, I delivered some lamb to people that had purchased it there. Um, and I gave a presentation at the meetup as well, but what they're able to do since they're not able to travel to my, my homestead and see the animals themselves, they can get, they can be pretty confident that I'm not making anything up when it comes to how I've managed and, uh, grown these animals and this, how this meat is produced. And so they can be pretty confident when they buy that, that I've, I've lived up to what I said I do as far as my management practices, what I'm feeding them, so on and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so how do you think, because I live around um, the homesteader types, but, you know, uh, they're often Amish. Um, somebody made a pitch and said, we should really recruit, you know, the Amish into, into Nostra, into Bitcoin. Um, so how would you go about, I know a lot of homesteaders are pretty private, 
off grid. You know, it's kind of built into the brand, and we have a lot of homesteads on on Noster. Um, but how do we how do we recruit more people who are not, say, as tech savvy or you know, uh, easy to adopt technology? And how do we recruit them to Noster? Do you think? That's a that's a tough one. Um, I'm actually so when I was in Milwaukee, somebody asked me because my my presentation was about how permaculture and Bitcoin um, are kind of intersecting, and that these two groups, these people that are searching for sovereignty through homesteading and permaculture, and the people that are searching through for sovereignty through Bitcoin, um, are kind of walking towards each other and sort of taking techniques from each other and utilizing them until. Pretty soon, it's just going to be Bitcoin and homesteading and permaculture. It's all kind of one bucket, in my opinion. But how do we, they ask, how do we bring the people that are interested in permaculture on over to Bitcoin? And um, and, and they ask, like, what am I doing as far as that, as far as talking to the, the, the those in this, these permaculture channels? Um, and I realized that I'm not really too involved in trying to integrate people that are interested in permaculture into Bitcoin. Um, and so, I, I mean, the best thing that I could do personally um, and, and anyone else interested in permaculture uh, is to just share how Bitcoin has improved your systems. And so hopefully I, I'm going to try and get on uh, this podcast called the Modern Homesteading Podcast. Um, the, actually, I forget. Uh, someone on Noster had DM me and said, hey, there, there's this podcast that I talked to. The, I talked to them and I told them about you. and." They, I think it'd be a good fit for for there. And I was like, oh my God, I listen to that podcast all the time. That'd be cool to, to go and talk to them. And so now I've been in touch with them. I haven't really worked out how to get on there yet. But anyways, the point is, is that I think the best way is just to continuously put this information out there and show how um, through things like Nostra, how Bitcoin is improving the systems, how, how my homestead is more efficient and effective because I utilize Bitcoin and I'm working on a Bitcoin standard. Yeah, absolutely. I think you, you you show the path. Even some of those little things you do. I think, it, it, like I said, you're you're finding utility in all these things. I think you were uh, dehydrating meat with a, a miner as well, and um, seeing how you you put them out there for you know the animals and stuff. Now, let me ask you this: Do you, like when you have those miners set up in those remote locations, are you using a satellite link for the the data portion or is that or are you running a, a a cable out there so most of well first i have starlink which is um powered by my solar panel system so i'm pretty much online all the time and then from there i have several wi-fi bridges that that spread the wi-fi signal to the majority of the area that on the homestead that i need it i i pretty much can get connectivity in those places where I would need to run the miners. Um, and a lot of times I do, so I just recently started using the um, the Vonnet's Wi-Fi bridges to uh, actually plug the, instead of running an ethernet cable from a switch or something like that, I can actually get Wi-Fi to the miner directly uh, through these Vonnet's Wi-Fi bridges. They're like little $25 things you can get on Amazon. I was just too tight with my, uh, 
margins at, at the beginning to justify getting these things. And I would rather just spend the time figuring out how to route ethernet cables everywhere. Um, and so I've done a combination of both just running hundred foot ethernet cables around. Um, and now I'm starting to slowly switch into these, uh, these Wi-Fi bridges, which are much more, um, it's just way more convenient, even though you have to add a $25 onto your, your setup. Um, and the next step beyond that would be to then solder in the, the power supply for the bonnets to be running off of the control board of the miner. So that way I don't have to have like a, a, two, a cube tap with three different plugs to plug these things in. And so as far as like the mining stuff that I'm doing, I started off with an S9 that I was just kind of trying to run off my solar panel, I, off my solar panels. I figured I've got extra power. Uh, I should be mining Bitcoin with this. It makes a lot of sense. And so from I got an S9 uh, through uh, a value for value trade and started playing around with it. And that was in the summertime when the sunlight was good. Well, when the sunlight uh, got, the days got shorter and I, I didn't have so much solar power, I couldn't really run the miner. And I just started to experiment with it as a space heater for my bedroom at night. I heat my house with wood. And so really it doesn't make sense if, if my miner, if an S9 costs, it just doesn't make sense to use the electric heat when I've got the wood heat. It's just way cheaper and more uh, cost effective. But as a space heater for the luxury of it at night, I figured I'd try that out. And so then that got me thinking, well, I've got an, ele an electric air source heat pump. And so I host guests on second level, on the main level of my house. I live in, in the lower level in the basement. And I've got a second unit that I rent on Airbnb. Well, in the wintertime, when the guests are here, my wood burning heat doesn't necessarily heat that whole other side, side of the house um, to 70 degrees. It can get it up to like 60. So I need some electric heat to supplement the wood heat that I had. Anyways, I use an air source heat pump. I, st I got this idea, well, I could put the... S9 right up to the cold air return of the furnace, and then I can hopefully supplement that heat uh, that way. And that led to that turned out to work. And then so I got a second S9, and then from there I uh, I used two S9s in tandem, which um, which actually pretty much reduced the necessity for me to use that air source heat pump over the winter time. It's the S9 is like the gateway drug into Bitcoin mining, in my opinion, where you start with one and then you start to learn, okay, how, like just try and figure out ways to, to keep hashing, keep hashing. How can I keep this thing running? How can I justify the fact that it's using more power or the cost of the power to run it is giving me less Bitcoin than I can sell to pay for. But if I can use the heat and put the miner to work, give the miner a job, now I've been, now I'm using electricity that I would have been using otherwise and I'm getting this rebate sats back. And so when the winter ended, the next thing that I did was I, I realized I, I had saw a business cat doing this dehydrator with an S9 and he was making beef jerky or something like that. And I thought to myself, well, what, how could I make a, a dehydrator? I've got springtime coming. I know I'm going to have berries and, and all kinds of spring uh, ephemeral herbs and stuff that I could be dehydrating. So I modeled a, I built, basically built a dehydrator box that was modeled after a one, one kilowatt, uh, 1000 watt tabletop, just, uh, residential food dehydrator because I had an S9 and that's about one kilowatt of power. And so I built this box with the trays. It cost me, I had most of this stuff laying around uh, in my garage already. I just had to buy some aluminum screen to make the, the trays and built this thing, put the miner, like basically cut a hole in the back of this box with some trays in it and put the miner up to it and tested it out. Uh, I had some frozen elderberries uh, that I needed to clear out freezer space put that thing up there and it worked perfectly. And I was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. 
I can be preserving food and getting a rebate on my electricity cost to use it. I mean, if you have a, a tabletop food dehydrator and you've got a tabletop food dehydrator that, uh, that mines Bitcoin, which one is more efficient? And so now I'm actually disproving this idea that uh, Bitcoin mining is like a waste of energy. I would argue that if you're using any electric heat and you're not mining Bitcoin, then that's a waste of energy. And so I've been able, I, basically I was, now I had this incentive to find ways to keep that dehydrator full and processing um, food and, and medicine for me all summer. And I managed to do that. I, I, I was able to, and that actually led me to finding and foraging a lot more things around the homestead that I normally would have let go because in the past, if I were to harvest those and I had no way to effectively pr preserve it, I had to use it within that time period. Um, dandelion root, for example. Um, in the past, I, I would, if I would pull up the dandelions in the spring, pull up the dandelion root, then I have to use it in that window of time in which that dandelion root is good. Well, now that I have a dehydrator, I can dehydrate the dandelion root, preserve it, and then and later on, I was able, several months later, after I harvested and dehydrated the dandelion root, I used it as an ingredient to make cider. And so the, another example of this was I, I found a weed that I was, I was weeding my garlic. Um, I found a weed in there that uh, is called purple dead nettle. It's everywhere around here in the spring. And in the past, I didn't realize any utility to it. But now every time I'm pulling weeds, I'm going on the internet and I'm looking up, is there, is there any medicinal value of this? Is there anything useful for it? Can I put it in my dehydrator and run my S9? Please let me do that. I found out that this, uh, this, er, this weed was actually an antihistamine and I have um, terrible spring and fall seasonal allergies um, to the point where sometimes I'm like totally debilitated and I refuse to take any of that um, over-the-counter allergy medicine for it. I just don't, for whatever reason, I don't trust it. I don't like it. The symptoms of the medicine are often worse than the symptoms of the allergy, so on and so forth. Well, this, this uh, purple dead nettle is an antihistamine. And so I found out that if all I have to do is make a tea with that, just steep it in hot water after it's been dehydrated with my S9 food dehydrator. And then that one cup of that gave me instant allergy relief for four hours. And so now all I had to do was drink three cups of this tea a day and my allergies were cured. And so now because I had this S9 dehydrator, um, I was finding new uses for medicines that I had naturally growing around my homestead and then using those medicines to increase my productivity. So like you, you can start to see the, um, the value of this thing. Not only was I getting sats back, but I was preserving food and I was also finding new uh, free resources around the homestead through the incentive of just trying to figure out how to mine this Bitcoin, how to keep this Bitcoin miner running. And so... After that, I, I started, like I said, the S9 is the gateway drug to Bitcoin mining, and I wanted to get into some harder stuff. And so I was looking for a way to like get an actual full-size um, new-gen machine that runs on 220 volt. And so I started thinking about, well, what are, what are the biggest electric power usages that I have? And I realized that my clothes dryer, because I have all these Airbnbs that I rent, I've, I've accessed this ecotourism uh, flow through my area. There's beaches about 10 miles from my house, and there's wineries down the road and then there's lots of farms around me. So I've got, I've got the Chicago market coming through and staying with me all summer in my yurt and at my house. Well, that means that I have a ton of laundry to do all the time. Uh, my, my electric clothes dryer is pretty much running two to three hours a day at minimum throughout the summertime. And so I thought to myself, well, that's, a, that's an electric source of heat that I could potentially use a miner to, um, to use instead of, I could use a miner for. And so, 
I basically um, figured out a way to cut a hole in the back of that dryer and run a duct in, and I got um, a larger machine and and tried it out. And now I've been drying my clothes with this with this uh, Bitcoin mining clothes dryer. Um, and right now, honestly, because the price uh, has gone up and the fees have gone up, I actually have the door on my clothes dryer wide open right now, and that that sucker is just blowing hot air into the room because it's profitable to do so. So it was a, it was one of those things too, where now I've got these Bitcoin miners, and they're they're I, while I only use them when I need them to do a job. If the situation in the in the Bitcoin network gets to be good, now I can just turn them on. I've got them, and I can turn them on and and take advantage of. A helping to clear out some of these uh, some of this backlog in the mempool by contributing to the hash rate, um, and B taking advantage of the fact that uh, the the economically it's good for me, and so um, that led to me trying to figure out how to like the next thing I started thinking of is like well how can I produce some of my own power to to run these miners uh, beyond the solar. And I, I had heard about this wood gasification idea, and there was a there was a guy named Moses. Uh, he was on Twitter, and he's been on a bunch of podcasts talking about this concept of using azola, uh, growing azola in greenhouses, using the heat from the miners to maintain the temperature of the greenhouse, and then using the azola to wood uh, to gasify that to power the miners and create this sort of like uh, semi closed loop system uh, to to mine Bitcoin with biomass. And so that got me thinking, well, I don't need to grow Azola. I've already got 10 acres of biomass in the form of these mature hardwoods. Um, and eventually I'm going to have a lot of biomass in the prunings. Uh, when I coppice my hazelnuts, I'm going to have to cut all that wood away. When I prune my apple trees and my peach trees and so on and so forth, I'm going to have biomass there. I noticed that people in the area, there's lots of orchards around me. They're just taking this wood, uh, these prunings from the trees, they're piling it up and they're just burning it in huge burn piles. And to me, I mean, I was like, man, it it's probably doesn't make sense for them to even spend the money to wood chip it and then redistribute that fertility back to the trees and so on and so forth. It's just economically infeasible. Well, how could you how could you create an economic incentive to actually use that biomass? And so this idea of creating those, this wood gasifier in order to to process the biomass, you turn basically when you have a wood gasifier, what you do is you you're burning um, the biomass at a, in a low oxygen state. Which creates, which basically allows these volatile gases to be extracted from the biomass, but not combust. And you can transport those into something like a combustion engine. And also, the process of of you know, burning biomass in a in a low oxygen environment produces the, a byproduct of, of charcoal or biochar. And so, the biochar is actually a very powerful and useful soil amendment. Um, if you go and look at the price of a of a fifty pound, or I don't know if it's priced by the pound or by the the volume, but if you look at the price of biochar on Amazon or something, you'll be shocked at how much you can get for one of these things. So this wood gasifier is doing two things: it's, it's processing something that would be waste for you, turning that into a, a saleable product or a useful product for you in the form of biochar, and then you get this gas which you can then run a generator with and potentially mine Bitcoin. Well, I had. I wanted to basically figure out a, a proof of concept for that. I went to the hardware store. I, I spent about a hundred bucks on like this little metal trash can, some pipes, so on and so forth. I'd watched some YouTube videos to figure out the, to try and understand the concept of how to do this. And I basically got this working um, wood gasifier, this little miniature one. And there's some, there's some notes on 
Nostra about this. I, I was showing like how I got the, the flare. I got a clean flare going and everything. I got basically to the point where I could hook this thing up to a generator to try and mine Bitcoin with it. My whole goal was to take this little wood gasifier and a small generator and an S9 to the Lake Satoshi retreat, which is like the, um, the regional Michigan Bitcoin meetup for the summer. Um, these guys, they dug a, a pretty sizable private lake. Uh, they run the mid-Michigan Bitcoin meetup. They're pretty heavily involved in, in the Bitcoin culture and community here in Michigan. And they throw this huge event every summer. And I wanted to kind of basically show, say, like, look, I can, I'm mining Bitcoin at my campsite with firewood, basically. I got to the point where I hooked up the generator to this contraption, this wood gas fire that I built. And as soon as I ripped the cord, I, I, there was some sort of backdraft or something that happened. And I actually exploded the thing uh, right before the event. So anyways, the point is, is where I'm headed next, now that I'm mining Bitcoin, uh, I'm heating my house with Bitcoin, I'm dehydrating my food and medicine with Bitcoin miners, I'm drying my clothes with Bitcoin, I've got Bitcoin miners plugged up to any extra solar power that I'm using. The next step, and this is the incentive, like I said, the S9 is the gateway drug to Bitcoin mining. The incentive now is to how can I produce power with the extra biomass that's here on my, my homestead. Hey, Rev, can we uh, get you to refresh? We're, I, I can hear you fine, but we're getting reports on the street that uh, there, there may be a gap. If you could refresh, I know they, they already tried. Get a fresh reboot. Let's try that. So I, yeah, hopefully that, that long, uh, long-winded explanation of my home victim mining didn't here, but... No, like I said, I could hear you fine. It's uh, just a few people in the audience were saying they couldn't hear. So um, hopefully that fixes it. Uh, question for you, because, <clears throat> you know, you do, you know, very good outline of, you know, what, what you're doing and you're, you're deeply involved in, in commerce. And um, what do you think, uh, how, do, how do we approach commerce with, Noster and how do we use this as an advantage? I know like the local meetups are great, um, but how do we do like peer-to-peer -peer trading in an effective private manner on Noster? What are your thoughts around that? Well, that's something that I've been kind of just trying to like using the tools as they exist now and seeing where the problems are. Um, for example, I've recently, I've got my cannabis seed processed and I'm trying to distribute that, sell that on Noster. And so the way that I've been doing it is I'm just saying like, here, here's the deal with the cannabis seed. If you want to, if you want some, you have to send me a DM. And then I've got like, you know, basically the, it's, it's tricky when you're trying to price things in Bitcoin, uh, but have a fiat value to it. You know, well, I'm pricing it in fiat dollars, but then ultimately accepting Bitcoin for it. And so it's like, at what point in time do I, uh, do I say, this is the amount of sats that you owe me because the price is moving up, all, moving around all the time. And so this, the, and there's also this sort of like, um, this awkwardness around not having necessarily built a, a solid reputation. Um, people don't know me yet. So like I, I would, I could ask for the, the Bitcoin in advance and say, okay, as soon as you want to place your order, that's the, the Bitcoin that you pay. And then you have to trust me to send it out. Well, the way I've been doing it is the opposite. And so I'll say, send me a message. Let me know what you want. Uh, give me your shipping address. And this is kind of comes down to, to like some of the, the um, issues with Nostra DMs as far as like if my 
public where my keys get leaked, then everyone will know this person's address and what they bought from me and so on and so forth, which is, I mean, that's a little bit here, here nor there, but it's just a consideration that I'm thinking about. Anyway, so the process is send me a message. Let me know what you want. Give me your shipping address. When I ship the product, I'll give you the tracking number. And at, and that's the price that once that tracking number is created, that's where when I denominate the fiat value in, in the form of sats. And then the other tricky thing is like since we're doing it over lightning, I don't necessarily want to get zapped for this because I don't want the, a public record of, of how many sats I'm earning uh, for everyone to see. Uh, I'd rather keep that private. Uh, it just seems beneficial to, to not have to share that information with everyone. And so I have to send a lightning invoice. Well, the lightning invoice, uh, it has a time limit. And so it's, I can't just send them the invoice immediately. I have to kind of say like, hey, are you available and around to pay this invoice? Like, are you ready? I'm going to send you the invoice. Um, and so that's caused some tricky things. And especially because too, uh, I think Hoddlebot was just talking about it. The Nostra DMs aren't necessarily guaranteed they're kind of buggy where I've, I've had people say they DM me that they'll like find me on telegram and be like, dude, I tried to talk to you on Noster and what the heck you're ignoring me or whatever. And I'm like, Oh God, I didn't, I just didn't even get it. And, uh, so there, there's some, definitely some tricky things there. I, I know that, um, super Testnet has this magic web store, uh, which utilizes Noster as a backend. Basically. Um, I don't necessarily know if that's like, a, if there's a way to like integrate that, directly into a Nostra client. Um, but yeah, I've just, I've just like trying to figure out it just, well, the way I think about it is like, um, we've got Bitcoin as, uh, this cultural forcing mechanism on the money layer and uh, on the moral and ethical layer, but we don't necessarily have a, a layer, uh, for Bitcoin to exist or, or for the Bitcoin culture to develop, um, on the Bitcoin network itself as a location. And so I think Nostra is like the location in which the culture develops via uh, it's the it's the locational aspect of the cultural development of the, of the Bitcoin network. And so I'm interested mostly not necessarily in just selling products, but I'm, I'm more interested in, in, in collaborating and cooperating and facilitating this new Bitcoin culture. And so I want to try and sell my products and make my products available to people who are willing to pay with Bitcoin more so than just using it as a as a way a means of payment like i just want this fiat value or this bitcoin value and i don't care how i get it I, i'm really interested in participating in the network and in the culture uh, and building these circular economies in bitcoin and so um th that's why i'm just trying to I'm, I'm okay with dealing with some of these bumps and hiccups and this awkwardness um in order to just facilitate this these things these these transactions for bitcoin happening um, and so, yeah, basically, uh, you, I have to trust that somebody's going to pay me and figure out how to, uh, I'll ship the product before I get paid basically. And then I have to trust that this person's going to pay, um, after the fact. And so I can't, do you guys remember, um, the guy who gave the presentation on the webs of trust at Nostraville? Um, is he in here? I don't remember who it was. Was it the first day or the second day? It was on the short, it was like the short presentations. Um, these little 10 minute presentations or something like that. Oh no. Yeah. We missed that. 
uh, had two flat. Tires. I meant I, I meant to I meant to connect with him, and I I I didn't because what he was working on, I think, is the solution here, and that is that you can. I, I really think that if we can build some sort of web of trust reputational component um, to Noster, and this might exist, I don't use Facebook Marketplace, and I think that was discussed a little bit um, in Hoddlebot's talk as well, um, but to have some sort of reputational element for both the, the person facilitating, the, selling the goods and the person buying the goods, then that, that makes things a little bit smoother as far as like, okay, if there are some hiccups with the DMs and everything, um, you can be pretty confident that the person's not just trying to, to ghost you and there's actually maybe some technical issue going on here to work out. Um, right now, I, uh, when I don't hear from somebody for a couple of days and I'm looking for a payment, I don't know if like, oh, damn it, now finally someone's fine. They just took advantage of me here and I have to go and put them on blast and be like, look, don't, don't, you know, send this stuff, don't send this person goods until they pay or what, you know, make them pay first something like that. So if there was some way of, of having a web of trust, like, all right, this guy is buying something for me and I can see that he's uh, connected to a bunch of other people that I follow and trust so I can I can have a little bit more confidence there, that would help a lot. But once again, I, I just see that as something moving forward, a, a, a way to facilitate that. Yeah, and just so you know, um there's a few marketplaces out there right now. Um, we we spoke with uh, the guy with Plebeian, uh, not Plebeian Market, um, uh, Shopster um, that uses uh, Nip fifteen, uh, or I'm sorry, Nip ninety nine, which is uh, like a classified marketplace. Um, and then there's the Nip fifteen which plebeian market uses, and that's more like a traditional marketplace. So right now it's kind of in the middle of a discussion on which way a majority of people are gonna look to for a uh, marketplace model. And I think that is a good point too, in that if right now I'm just kind of like putting my pitch for things for sale right out there on the main feed, and it's not like, um, I mean, I'm just kind of like interge in injecting this into everyone's face, right? Instead of having people say, I, I want to, I, I like, oh, that's an interesting note. Maybe this guy's got something for sale. Let me go over to this segregated area and check it out. Um, a lot of times, too, I, I, in order to um, facilitate selling stuff, you have to just continuously put it out in front because the way that the timeline works is that someone might not be online and not see it, but they might be interested in that product. So I, I have this weird balance that I have to play where I don't want to um, be posting, re, re, uh, reposting the note all the time that this thing's for sale, this thing's for sale. Um, if you want it here, here, this is how it works. Um, and then everyone else who's already seen that, seen that roll by over and over again. And so, yeah, that might be uh, a good thing to look into is, is actually getting on some of these marketplaces and then saying, hey, just a reminder that um, I've got some goods for sale. Um, you can find them over here at the marketplace and then it's a little less annoying maybe. Yeah, definitely. Um, have you posted anything on either of those marketplaces yet? No. And, and so like, that's the thing too. I don't have, um, 
I'm not able to even keep up with everything. I'm, I'm more in this content creation mode. I feel guilty a lot of times that I don't, you know, get to interact and, and see what other people are doing as much. I don't even have as much time to just go on Nostra and, and consume the content. I'm just really posting a lot of stuff. And um, so I need to get better about that, just staying on top of things and, and participating on both sides of the coin here. Um, but yeah, I, I have to, now that I've got these things written down, I have to go and look into them. Yeah, shopster.store and plebeian.market are top two right now. And then I know Super Testnet had one originally before either of those were really a thing. Um, I haven't posted anything on any of the three, but I'm kind of keeping an eye out. Um, but I'd love to see some of your stuff on there for sure. Um, I'll just keep, you know, hovering around for the next month and see uh, what people are flocking to and then uh, definitely try to order some stuff because, you know, buying stuff off Noster is pretty cool. Similar to like, you know, you go to a meetup, Bitcoin, Noster, whatever, just being able to like barter with people for sats. Uh, it's just something magical about it. Uh, not having to convert to dollars and then convert to whatever you want to buy. And it's just like straightforward and both parties are happy and you know what you're getting. And when you throw a Nostra in there, it kind of. Yeah. The cool thing about. Uh, oh. Go ahead. Sorry. I, um, that. The, um, the cool thing about big, like actually having the sales in Bitcoin and staying in Bitcoin is one that that uh, commerce does not affect the price. The the price will never move based on um, people exchanging goods. And the second thing is like a lot of people are interested in how to get this KYC free Bitcoin. And if you go to a Bitcoin meetup with cash, it's tip you, you, you can you can say, hey, I've got a hundred dollars. Does anyone want to sell me Bitcoin? Good luck. No one's really going to want to sell you any Bitcoin because they don't want the dollars. And so the best way to get to earn the, the or to get the KYC Bitcoin, in my opinion, is that you have to provide some value. Uh, and so by producing some sort of product or, or offering some sort of intellectual capital um, in the form of uh, an article or so giving sharing some sort of useful information to people, this is how you get your KYC free Bitcoin. And when you're when you're acquiring this KYC free Bitcoin, what you're actually doing at the same time is you're you're participating in this circular economy, which then reduces the the need for um, like now that the transaction fees are so high, it's pretty expensive to get to jump into a round of coin joins. And so you don't necessarily have to be coin joining all the time if the stats are just swirling around and the, it's very you're basically um, cre creating all these. You're, you're in your anonymity set in your local community, right? Your sats are bouncing here. They're coming back. And then over the, when, and when it's on the lightning network, uh, it, I'm assuming it gets even more complicated. So anyways, the, that's been my, I was thinking, okay, how do I get some KYC free Bitcoin? I went to the Bitcoin meetup, um, first time, uh, well, it's coming up on two years, I guess in April, but, uh, I brought some maple syrup. I thought, oh, maybe people would like maple syrup. And I found out that they really wanted maple syrup. And there's some novelty in, um, in just being a person with something to sell. Like you're saying, I just want to 
spend my Bitcoin with other Bitcoiners just to like support the, the whole idea of the circular economy. Um, the point is, is that pe people, a lot of people have this mindset where they just want to support you because you're actually doing the work to provide some value to the community and what, and maybe they don't totally need it or want it, but just to make sure that this sort of, this sort of activity continues to happen, uh, they, they make the purchase, right? And so what that means to me is that there's a lot of room for competition. Um, and there's a, there's a huge demand for people that, uh, they want some sort of value out of their Bitcoin and they don't want the dollars. The last thing they want is dollars. You know, that's the whole reason why we got out of Bitcoin. So unless you're going to charge an insane premium for that, that, uh, Bitcoin for cash trade, uh, it's, it doesn't really make sense. And I guess that's the other point too, is when you're providing value and selling a good or service, now you're not, instead of, first of all, somebody else is paying the transaction fee to, to get you the Bitcoin. And third, and, and also the, you're not paying any KYC free premium like you would on um, RoboSats or BISC or whatever. Um, you're just getting a straight uh, value exchange for whatever that, that good or service is you're providing. So it's, it's I mean, it kind of makes sense if you think about it, but it, the best way to get KYC free Bitcoin is to just produce something that your local Bitcoin community or the community, you're, when I say local too, this could be local on Noster, right? Um, the, the group that's your, your, uh, your web of trust on Noster, find out something that they could utilize that they need, what, what the market has room for, and then provide that good or service. And um, it doesn't necessarily even mean that you have to be producing this good or service yourself. You can just be facilitating uh, the access to it. Um, and so like the, the example that I always use is I was, when I also, when I went to the Bitcoin meetup, I heard about these guys, uh, they, they were, they had access to these raw milk shares and I, um, it's difficult to find raw milk in Michigan. I actually had to drive to Indiana, um, to get raw milk for any reasonable price. Uh, and I, so I was driving like over 30 minutes to get a couple gallons of raw milk, um, at a time. And that was kind of ridiculous. And so I was like, oh, well, this is, this is an opportunity. Can I like hop in on your raw milk share or something? Um, and I eventually learned that they, they're the, the creamery where they get the raw milk actually does yogurt and butter and cheese. And so eventually what, what ended up happening is the, the guy that he would do his weekly pickup of, of his dairy products. And then on his way over there, he would say, okay, well here, I'm going to the creamery. Anybody, anybody want, have an order for the meetup? And so now he's basically getting KYC free Bitcoin or he's like dollar cost averaging into Bitcoin KYC free by purchasing dairy products that the Bitcoiners want at his local meetup, selling them maybe for even, I don't think he's marking it up at all. I think he's just like totally passing through for us, which is really, I mean, I always offer, you know, do you want some extra sats for this stuff? Cause I understand it takes your time. You have to keep it in the fridge, you know, so on and so forth. There's some work involved in, in facilitating us bringing this, these dairy products to us. But no, that it, it, for him, it's enough because he's getting this KYC free Bitcoin by giving me access to dairy products that I would, that I can, I don't, it's not convenient for me to access. And so that's like a perfect example. If you can find something that your local Bitcoin community or um, uh, your local Bitcoin meetup or your Noster community needs or wants, and you can facilitate access to it, this is a way where you can, you can t turn your fiat into Bitcoin through providing this value. Perfectly said. 
Anybody in the speaker stage or in the audience have any questions? I have a question. <clears throat> Rev, you, you have fantastic content and I think it's such a, you know, you're meeting people, you know, on their needs and you're connecting community and all these things. Have you ever thought about doing your own podcast on homesteading or something like that? Indeed. Yeah, I have thought about it quite a bit. Um, there's a, so this is actually one way I'm going to try and link the, um, the permaculture community and the Bitcoin community together. Um, I, I have a good friend in Texas. He's, he's a, an excellent permaculture designer and he's got a lot of experience because the only experience I have with permaculture design is basically my own homestead, right? So I, I only know about my climate, the plants that grow well here, so on and so forth. Well, he's got a lot of experience um, going, traveling to tropical climates, uh, desert climates. He's got all of these, he's been all over the world doing permaculture design. And so I wanted to start a podcast with him. I was thinking about calling it something like permanent money, permanent culture, something like that, um, where we, we talk about permaculture principles and uh, principles of Bitcoin and sovereignty and stuff and how those intersect. Um, and I was originally, I mean, really, I want to start the, this, this off by doing just regular nests. Um, but once again, I've got so many damn irons in the fire. It's hard to, like, I'm working on all these things. But it takes a it takes a while uh, from the, the idea point to the actual launch of the proof of concept. I mean, sometimes it, it might take me. I I it's not uncommon for me to work on stuff like this for a year or more before I finally get to the point where I'm like, all right, I got the time. I figure out how to work it in. But yes, some sort of um, way to get the information out is in as many different formats as possible, right? If I if I can do some articles. If I can make my notes on, on Noster and uh, do some sort of audio format, um, then that only just leaves the video, which is, I, I'm, I'm trained as a filmmaker, but I, the reason why I don't do videos is because I understand how difficult it is, how much time consuming it is. Um, anyways, yes, yes, I'd like to do some sort of podcast at some point. And, the, and so the other thing I think people might be like, man, there's a there's 100 billion podcasts out there now. How can you, why would you want to start one? You're never going to, you know, you're never going to get anywhere. In my opinion, having a podcast is a lot like having a band, like creating music where you, you're, um, you're basically looking to build a, a, a group, a, a base of people who are, you're building a community around the information. Um, instead of like, it's not about trying to make advertising revenue, right? Or like get the podcast to a, a certain point where you get, enough listeners to like, I don't know, yeah, get a sponsor or something. That's, it's more about, it's a different way to facilitate the communication of an idea. I mean, ultimately that's what music is, right? It's trying to communicate some sort of emotion, some sort of concept through this, this uh, creation of the music. Well, podcasts are similar where it's like, you're trying to communicate some sort of idea or, or make some sort of connections for people via your voice and how you, how you present things. And so people will, gravitate towards the way, even though there, it's been said a million times, it hasn't been said the way I'm going to say it, right? And people might like the way that I have to say, like it might make, it might speak to them better because it's coming through my, my filter. Anyways, I think that if you, uh, just basically to say that if you're thinking about starting a podcast or you want to do something like that and you're discouraged because it's like, ah, oh, I cannot never compete. It's really not about uh, being the number one. 
It's about finding the people who you can speak to, who, who, who appreciate the way you put the information, the way you display it. Yeah, that, that aligns with the proof of work concept too, because uh, yeah, you're not gonna get into podcasting to make money and it's certainly not gonna be done overnight. And it is just get in there, do the work, you know, have the conversations, uh, spread the word. And it, as uh, it was said, if you build it, they will come. Totally agree. So what we got, Chef, I think you popped in. Do you have a question? And now I just put these guys up on stage just to make sure that they're ready for the next uh, slot. That's all, Rev. Oh, right, right. The Australians are up next. Cool. Um, well, yeah. Uh, yeah, if anyone's got a question, then just fire it off. Well, you never know what, what's going to happen uh, life on the homestead. I know we had a there was a conversation going on and Rev uh, disappeared and he said, BRB, have, you know, prepare the hips for birth or something. There was a there was a lamb about to give birth, I think, on your on your property. I, I think Rob, that was the, the most interesting uh, <laughs> way to, you know, conversation. Uh, but people are interested in that stuff. I mean, it's interesting, you know, being hands-on and living on the land. And, and so that's why I think, uh, you know, getting your message out there and is important because even if people don't know or can't relate, they, they, they can eventually, especially if they know how things are, you know, in, in real life and in, in real life into you know, the community on Noster and, you know, in Bitcoin. Well, I think that um, Bitcoin kind of facilitates this, this new possibility where um, it, it makes economic sense again, finally, to go the less convenient route. Um, it's actually the, in the, the way that Fiat's been working is it, Convenience is not only it's seemingly it's not only been more convenient, but also uh, theoretically more economically viable. But I think that doing things um, the less convenient way when you're starting to, I mean, uh, people always ask kind of like, what can I do? I live in an apartment or whatever. How can I increase my food sovereignty or how can I do some sort of homesteading? And I always recommend starting with food preservation because that's something you can do as long as you have a kitchen. And so the, the one, one way you could look at it is like, all right, so I've got, I, you know, I, every time I go to the grocery store, I get a can of tomatoes and a can of tomato paste or whatever. Um, and instead now you could go to the farmer's market, wait till the end or whatever, um, buy up someone's, instead of just buying a few tomatoes for the week or whatever, buy out the whole 10 pounds and then bring those tomatoes home, process them and start figuring out how to make your own tomato sauce, your own tomato paste, so on and so forth. Um, and so what you'll find is that that you, while you're spending time, if you're considering things in the, form, in, the, in, the, in the perspective of the eight forms of capital and that by learning how to preserve these tomatoes, you're getting intellectual capital. By going through the process of preserving these tomatoes, you have experiential capital, so you'll be able to do this again in the future should you need to. You're going to be producing a higher quality food product uh, that you wouldn't actually even be able to buy at the grocery store. 
And because you're spending your time to do it, the actual economic input to produce that food is going to be lower. Um, I, I, well, I'm pretty sure. I, it all depends on, I don't know how much you're going to actually pay for the tomatoes. But in my case, this has been the way it's been working where because I'm spending my time, I'm able to produce my food, uh, much higher quality food for a fraction of the cost. Um, and so what that does is that allows me to stack more sats ultimately. And, and a lot of times I get criticism because people are saying, well, oh, but you're spending all your time. Don't you value, like what, isn't your time worth like 25, 30, $50 an hour? And I, and I often tell them like, well, I've got my, my time is continuously flowing, right? I can't hodl my time. I can't save it and decide to spend it on some valuable work at some other uh, point in the future. I don't have a machine where I can just sit at it and push a button and it pays me Bitcoin um, and just spend my time doing that. So you, you have to be thinking about when you're spending your time, are you, do, are you accruing some of these eight forms of capital? Are you getting some intellectual capital? Are you getting some experiential capital? Are you doing something that would ultimately, if you were, your options were sit on your ass and, and just scroll on the internet, or uh, do something that's productive for yourself and save yourself some money at the same time. Try and make it into something that's enjoyable for yourself to do. Um, cooking your own meals uh, is a great example of that. If you get into this, uh, instead of going out, right now, honestly, I think that you can't, at least in my area, I cannot buy food at any restaurant that is superior to what I could be cooking at home. The only reason to ever go to a restaurant, in my opinion, is not for the food, but for the service, just so I can be lazy and have someone serve me. And so learning how to cook your own food, then you start to make, uh, you're spending your time um, making this economically superior product, health-wise it's superior, and you're saving, you're able to stack more sats because of it. And so this is like the concept that I approach homesteading with is like, can how how many things can I replace the convenience of buying it at the store, can I make it myself? Can I produce a little bit extra from what I'm making in order to sell that and also provide a high quality product to the Bitcoin community, to this community that I want to support um, and help flourish? And then ultimately, I'm A, stat saving money, which allows me to hold my hold more sats. And then B, I'm able to acquire KYC free sats by, by selling the extra, by pro providing the extra produce or whatever it is that I'm producing. Yeah, I love your concept on the eight forms of capital because it, it really encompasses, you know, you're not, people get too accustomed to a unit of you know, a dollar amount or something like that. And they, you know, say I'm trading for that, but you reframe it and say, well, I'm getting this intellectual capital or, you know, <clears throat> you, you, from, you know, means of value in the experience. I think it just, you know, different level. Well, and you can't eat your Bitcoin, right? So, and I think a lot of people think that the Bitcoin, all they need is Bitcoin and then they'll be able to access the superior purchasing power to buy their way out of a, a shitty situation. But ultimately, um, I think of Bitcoin as the financial capital. And I and so now and I'm just trying to basically acquire that financial capital, but I'm trying to diversify my time, the expenditure of my time, building resilience by having these other eight forms of capital should the Bitcoin not be able to buy my way out of the situation. I'm pretty confident that I can produce some of my own food and nutrition. I've got tools or whatever it is I need to actually build my way out of it or, or fix my way out of a shitty situation. I've got the experience from using these tools and doing these processes 
in order to actually not have to learn how to do it should it come up i'm ready in advance and so having the bitcoin is one aspect of sovereignty and resilience but having the knowledge the experience the tools uh the the actual food growing and there's a lot of don't get discouraged if you don't have a lot of space there's plenty of ways to grow food um, in a small amount of space and then also being connected in with your local bitcoin community somebody else might be able to to bridge that gap for you as well anyways the eight forms of capital is um a way to be so you don't have to think about trading your way into more bitcoin or or um just being worried about stacking as many sats as possible if you've got bitcoin that's probably enough um and the the way that now you can start spending your time developing these diversifying into these other forms of capital and making sure you have a good base of those to stand on should shit hit the fan rev hoddle you're a legend and uh preaching the good appreciate you uh being up here with us on the 24-hour frog talk uh you're very insightful very wise And it was a lot of fun. I really appreciate the opportunity. I love what's going on here on Nests, on Noster, um, with the Bitcoin meetups, all of it. Um, I think it's super important that we all continue to participate in Bitcoin and, and the new innovation that's happening here on Noster. And um, we just shouldn't stop talking about it. We got to keep doing stuff like this. So thanks a lot. Thank you, my friend. Um, we're at the AR, and I don't know if we have some intro music to uh, bring our friends in from the land down. Oh, wait, uh, you got something, uh, Iden? Give me a sec so I could uh, stop the recording. Yeah.